Welcome to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. My name is Dave Mons. I'm a student of psychology and philosophy and a professional pilot. My aim is to share big ideas from science and the humanities to get you thinking and to help you make sense of the world. I think milestones are important. They offer us the opportunity to pause, reflect and acknowledge where we've come from and where we are now. I've always been a goal-driven person. This isn't because I set off to conquer the world. It's a psychological tool for me, unwittingly implemented, which gives my life purpose and direction. I find it centering to have a focus, some path to travel, which I can return to when I get lost, confused or scared. When all else fails, I know that if I have a task in front of me, then I'm safe, I I have some comfort from that. It gets me through. The Here and Now podcast was born of that need to have a goal, a focus when I had too much time and too many thoughts. So it's somewhat ironic that one bit of feedback I've had was that the podcast is lacking in focus. If only I could rein in my meanderings and focus on just one thread, one topic, one theme, then it could be so much better. But to me, that's one of the things that I enjoy most about the podcast, the lack of constraint. It's a living journal, a record of where my head was at at this moment in time. And it sounds trite to say that that's the essence of the here and now, but it is my combined escape and purpose to literally sit down in front of a blank page on my screen and to just begin typing. There's no word counts, no required format or structure. It's just like popping the cork and seeing what flows out from that mental bottle. That's not to say that no thought goes into planning an episode or even a collection of episodes, as I've attempted to do once or twice. The overarching why of the podcast, after all, is to communicate ideas from science and the humanities to a general audience. But as you, loyal listener, may have noticed, it does meander like a stream through the countryside. Today it could be about personal psychology, our inner worlds, and next week it can consider the threat of nuclear holocaust. But to be fair, the path of the podcast has narrowed somewhat since those heady days of episodes 1 through 20. But that is the beauty of the podcast format. Not even I know where it is headed next. So coming back to goals. I set out to record one episode a week for 52 weeks. I chose this goal somewhat arbitrarily, but I also felt that to give it a good go, I needed to commit to the project for long enough that it could find its feet and that I could find my feet, or voice as it were, over a long enough period of time for that to happen. Because nothing good ever happens quickly or easily. And I have to tell you, it hasn't been easy. But as much as staring at that blank page has been overwhelming at times, the sense of accomplishment when I hit export to mp3 after recording another episode is immensely gratifying. Gratifying in the sense that I was able to get out another one. Whether it's any good or not, well, that's an entirely different matter. And that's been the next big challenge, conquering self-doubt. A project such as this takes a certain level of overcoming one's negative self-talk, combined with enough confidence to just put it out there, for better or worse. So in that sense, it's been helpful for me to solidify my thinking on certain topics and to learn about issues that I was only vaguely aware of, if at all, and to work through my own doubts and insecurities. I've mentioned before that I think of the podcast as like having a conversation, even if it is just me talking, as I know I'm speaking to an audience. 
maybe it's an audience of just a handful of people at times, but at least someone nonetheless. And that changes the dynamic completely. If what I say is not authentic or doesn't feel right, then I can't write it, and I definitely can't say it. I don't strive for huge depth. Each episode only takes a day or two to prepare, but rather I pick a thread and follow it this way and that as honestly as I can, and I just hope that some of you are joining me on that journey, and then maybe continue it yourselves. So releasing an episode into the wild, like a musician releasing a song or a writer publishing a work, is often fraught and agonising, because anything of value must have something of the writer within it. Through the podcast, I've bared my own soul in a way which has been both cathartic and exposed my own vulnerability. And that's scary, and so it should be. A few weeks ago, I was standing on the side of the street somewhere in Hong Kong when an acquaintance from work walked past. To be honest, I don't know that we'd ever had a conversation in real life. We'd only ever interacted in a professional capacity, in passing, or around a table during a training event or a meeting. Our paths just hadn't crossed that often. He had his earpods in, and he recognised me standing there and came over and said hello. And then he grinned. I was just listening to your podcast. I'd never mentioned it to him. In fact, I'd pretty much never mentioned it to anyone at work except maybe close colleagues, and then very rarely. So I asked him how he'd found out about it. He told me that essentially he'd come across it organically, and he'd been listening to it for months. So soon we were having a conversation about a particularly dark topic on that sunny day. And when we started laughing uncomfortably about it, he quipped, well, you did say you don't like small talk. Touché. Just when I was wondering whether to keep kicking the can down the road with the podcast, as I do pretty much weekly, this small encounter somehow made it all worthwhile and invigorated me to keep going. For another week or two, at least. It was a great moment for me, so thanks, Glenn, for that. But there's more, much more. This has not been a solo effort. Many others have been so gracious with their time by openly and honestly letting me into their worlds and sharing their thoughts and stories with me on the podcast. And when I look at the podcast playlists on my phone, the ones that I listen to, virtually all of them are interview-based. It's just more interesting to listen to people having a conversation about interesting topics than to listen to someone rambling on alone, ironically, as I'm talking alone to you now. So I accept that the Here and Now podcast won't be for everyone, because the topics can be esoteric and a monologue can only hit so many touch points of the soul. But the interview dynamic has been so rewarding, probably more so than the solo episodes, in fact, almost definitely, because mainly because of the generosity of those who've joined me. There's something really special about someone coming on to talk with me, and I I say this for two reasons. Firstly, I send out a lot of emails to people I'd like to talk to, like several a week, all the time, and I virtually never receive a reply. I get the odd one that might say thanks but no thanks, but much to my surprise, every now and again... I get a yes, and that's when the nerves kick in. I want to pay tribute to the guests to do my research and give them the respect they deserve for taking the time and being willing to humour me. And it's bloody difficult. They always say that you can't tell when someone is really good at something because they make it look easy. There's no sense of the skill or work that goes into something uh, when people are so proficient at it. And interviewing guests, someone you've never met who doesn't know you from Adam and who might be sceptical about the whole endeavour. And they could be sitting there wondering why they agreed to this. Well, it's bloody intimidating. And I'm not that good at it. So I don't make it look easy and it is hard. But I'm slowly starting to get the hang of it, maybe. But more than just that, I I enjoy 
the like Glenn said, for someone who doesn't like small talk, it's just amazing that there's no beating around the bush. Like where else can you go from meeting someone for the first time to plunging to the depths of the soul within just a few minutes? So I want to reflect briefly on the graciousness of the guests who have joined me so far and share what I've taken from their generosity. Firstly, my old mate Willis. Hamish Williams joined me for episode one a year ago where I picked his brains on the Tinder culture. Willis is a writer by trade and has always had the gift of the gab, so it was an easy starting point. I knew that he'd carry me through any dead spots in the conversation in his articulate and thoughtful way, and I wasn't disappointed. I'll tell you a quick story about Willis. Way back in 1999, I'd just got my private pilot's license. Hamish was my very first passenger. Then about a year later, I got my aerobatic rating, which allowed me to fly upside down and inside out with passengers, and again, Willis was my first passenger. Now, I loved aerobatics, I still do, so I was thrilled to finally be able to take up one of my best friends. So, when I arrived at Hamish's place one beautiful morning to pick him up, I was surprised that he wasn't ready. Back in those halcyon teenage days, mornings were short and slow moving. But after some encouraging, Hamish eventually got himself organised and on the way out the door he grabbed a half-eaten bag of stale potato chips for breakfast and off we went to the airport. Hamish sat in the grass in the sunshine, smoking a cigarette, while I pre-flighted the aircraft, and eventually we were off, climbing into the great blue yonder. I had a grand array of aerial hijinks planned, a series of deft manoeuvres I was sure would have Willis giggling with glee. So, I have to admit, I was a little surprised when I began that first dive toward the ground to gain the speed for our first loop, as Willis clutched the instrument panel in a terrified panic. But scarcely casting a glance, I heaved us up and over the top, the G-forces crushing us down into our seats, as we recovered back to level flight. Willis hardly had time to catch his breath before I whipped the aeroplane into a roll, first one way, then the other. Willis raised his hand. Are we done? He asked exasperatedly. Done? I queried. We're only just getting started. And so Willis sat, eyes focused on a tiny speck of loose paint on the instrument panel, white-knuckled hands clutching the seat cushion, while I continued to subject his lanky body to sensations it didn't know existed. But eventually, Willis could take it no longer. Knock it off, he said, a tide of green rising up his neck. Okay, I finally conceded, but we have to finish with a spin. Willis by now was resigned to his fate, and he continued his death grip as we hurtled to the earth, around and around, me chuckling with delight. It was only a short flight back to the airport, but it was an eternity for poor Willis, and when it became apparent that what goes down must come up, I reached into the glove compartment and handed him a brown paper bag. And finally, Willis found his voice, a technicolour voice with notes of ready salted. Or was it salt and vinegar? I said the flight back to the airport was short, didn't I? Well, it seemed to take an eternity. I held my breath, the close confines of the cockpit, our shoulders brushing, threatened to cause me to reflect upon a bowl of cereal and sliced banana that I'd consumed earlier. But finally, after hurtling over the fence and onto the runway, we were down, back on solid ground. But it was a big airport and we had a little way to go yet before we were free of that cramped cockpit, which made it all the more concerning when Willis's quivering voice warned me that that brown paper bag may not last the journey. I turned to look down, and sure enough, there, cradled in Willis's lap, the horrible mess on the inside of that feeble paper bag seemed on tent of becoming a horrible mess on the outside of it. Thinking quickly, I said, Open the door! Feeling relieved that my quick thinking would avert disaster, I assumed Willis was tuned to my wavelength, and would open the door and dangle the dripping bag outside. But Willis was not on my wavelength at all. He did open the door at least, but then 
He threw that bag of horrors into the slipstream where it exploded on impact in the middle of the airport under the watchful gaze of the air traffic control tower and the expectant meters and greeters and anxious passengers lining the two stories of windows of the terminal building right in front of us. And what was once our most immediate problem was not our problem anymore. And as far as Willis was concerned, it was a problem solved and a job well done. So it seemed only fitting that Willis joined me for that first episode of the Here and Now podcast, as he has a history of helping me through firsts, and at least episode one, while disturbing in its own way, was not quite as messy as the earlier first episode from some 20 years ago. Then we met Wes on January 1st of this year, for episode six. Wes is someone I admire for a lot of reasons, and it seems ironic now that back then we were talking about finding happiness and self-actualization, when much of 2020 has been about simply surviving. But Wes is probably the most stoic person I know. I've spent quite a bit of time in close quarters with Wes over the last few years, and I've never seen him flustered, out of sorts, angry or even upset, and not for lack of opportunity. He just approaches life in a very calm and pragmatic way, not clouded by emotion. He's the antithesis of hot-headedness, and reminds me that the challenges of life are entirely subjective, and we really do have the power to control how we respond and what we take from the things that happen to us. But more than that, Wes doesn't lose heart or let setbacks get him down. He just gets on with life and makes things happen, without fuss or drama. He's a real inspiration like that. It was a long time before I had another interview, but it was well worth the wait when Dr. Sam Millingworth joined me in episode 29. And this was the first interview with someone who I'd reached out to who had agreed to it. And wow, what a buzz that was. And Sam was as gracious and good-natured as I hoped. And we had a great conversation which helped me to focus the theme of the podcast a little more toward my original why. Then we took a slight detour with Niles Heckman, who shared his creative journey and thoughts on filmmaking and how different mediums reflect different experiences. Niles is a great guy, full of life and enthusiasm for the creative process, and he really inspired me to take the podcast seriously as a platform for expressing my ideas. He said something to me which scared me. He said, your podcast is promoting brand Dave. And that didn't sit right. It still doesn't sit right, because I don't like to think of it as self-promotion. To me, it's about promoting ideas. But the nature of the solo format means they're expressly my versions of them, even if they are distillations from true academics and historical figures. But Niles gave me the permission to be okay with sharing my voice in that way that Americans often do. The culture I come from and the British way in general was very antithetical to self-promotion, so it was kind of refreshing to be given permission to just put my voice out there and be okay with that. Now, I'm still not really okay, but it's a small bridge over a big gap. And then we hit the lofty heights of the big time when Daniel Meisler joined me. Daniel has a massive following, and as I mentioned, I sent a lot of emails, most of them ignored. So I was pretty shocked when Daniel replied that he liked the podcast and would be happy to join me. I really enjoyed that conversation, the, just the candor of it, like sitting down with a beer and having a deep conversation about some complex and meaningful issues with an old friend, yet we'd only just met. That's when it hit home how amazing this platform is for getting to the heart of the conversation without the small talk. Thanks again to Daniel for being so gracious to help me learn just a little bit more about how to do this. Then I spoke with Pat Bronte. I'll be honest, this was a tough one. It took months to arrange that interview. There were at least three failed attempts, so by the time I finally got Pat on the line, I was pretty much burned out with the process. But I was also really interested in his work, and I was conscious of not wanting it to be an interview about his disability or how tragic his life was. It 
was a story about how someone can find purpose and meaning despite the setbacks that they've faced. And Pat really is an inspiration in this regard. And this month, the podcast has kind of come to its source in many ways. It was born out of questioning, why? What are we doing with our lives and why do we struggle so much? Focusing on men's mental health and mental health in general has opened the conversation with two men who are out there just really helping people. And these guys aren't mental health professionals. They're men who just want to help other men work their way through their personal battles to give them meaning and purpose, a recalibration to show them that there's always a way forward if we just communicate and get talking about how we feel. Both Ollie and Tim are impressive people, and it was immensely gratifying to feel that I could use my small platform, which we've grown together over the last year, to project this important message to touch just a few more people and potentially help someone in a time when they need to hear those words. So it's been an awesome journey for me personally, and If you've been on some of it or all of it with me, then I want to say sincerely, thank you. I do look at the weekly listens and get an idea of where in the world people are listening from. And I know there's a few regulars out there. Anonymous people out there in all corners of the globe who take the time to listen to my ramblings and the stories and experiences of the guests. And I have no idea what you listeners do with that information, but it's an awesome feeling. And as I mentioned earlier, just one positive comment, one bit of feedback or one more regular listener encourages me to keep writing and recording and sending more emails in the hope that just one will find its mark. So where to from here? To be honest, I don't know. I have a few ideas. I I thought about reverting to, say, a three times monthly format with maybe one uh, interview, one regular podcast like I normally do, like an essay, and then a shorter one, something like the chat, the chapter and the verse. Or perhaps I'll just keep doing the same thing, but maybe at a slightly reduced uh, pace, maybe three times a month. What do you think? Let me know. So again, thank you to everyone who's been listening and supporting the podcast. If you want to help me to keep the momentum going, then simply give me some feedback, recommend it to your friends, join the Facebook page and share the post with your network, comment on Twitter or Instagram. Just let me know if you know someone who you think would make a great guest. But most of all, Just keep listening and inspiring me to dig deeper, to think longer, and to write gooder. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Here and Now podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the Here and Now podcast or Twitter at Here Now podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to keep up to date with all of the latest episodes. And if you want to support the podcast, you can find us on Patreon or leave a review at the Apple Podcasts app. You can reach out to me via the pages or email theherenow at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.